Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Garage Cast. It is Friday, March the 3rd. This is episode 18, and I am your host, Michael Iani Palarchio, here at Branksome Hall, delivering you the Garage Cast from number four. What a pleasure it is to be connecting again this week to talk about all things innovation, all things education, where there's connections. Let's buckle up because I've got a few things to talk about. We're going to be looking at the difference and importance uh, between interdisciplinary learning and transdisciplinary learning. Some things I've been thinking about this week as I've been involved with a group of students. I'll tell you a little bit about that. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence, but we're going to go beyond just generative AI, things like ChatGPT. And we're going to talk about where is artificial intelligence tools beginning to pop up in other everyday applications or services that we use. And I just want to talk a little bit about artificial general intelligence, what that is, why it matters, how far that that is, how it's different from what we have today. So without further ado, let's jump right into segment one of this week's GarageCast. Well, it's been a really terrific week for me. I've had an opportunity to spend some ongoing time, as I mentioned in the last podcast, with some of our grade nines doing a really interesting interdisciplinary unit. I'll talk a little bit about that shortly. But at the top of this week, I'm so happy to share that we kicked off a version of our Student Business Accelerator program for the junior school. So you remember that I talked about Noodle before, something that we launched back in 2019 for our middle and senior school students. And in that program, they create companies and it is a business accelerator program with a curriculum and various supports and the team's pitch. And then they have investment in their companies. Well, we've created Noodle Junior in the junior school. And so thanks to my colleagues there who partnered with me to make it happen. So thank you to Abby and to Megan and to Emily. Monday after school, we kicked it off with 32 students, a mix of grade fives and sixes. And I tell you, (laughs) in all the years I've been starting businesses and all the years that I have provided advisory services to startups and in all the years that we've been doing Noodle uh, here at the school, Monday was quite the experience. (laughs) These kids were super engaged um, and we really had a great launch to the program and um, I'm looking forward to it. We're running it for a number of weeks. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head how many weeks, if it's a 10-week or 12-week program we're doing with them every Monday. And uh, rather than culminating in a pitch competition, just given their age, what we're doing with this cohort 
is a trade show. Uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, if Monday is uh, any indication, um, these kids are they're on fire. They're brilliant. And they've got good ideas already um, emerging. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, uh, seeing how this all unfolds with uh, this age group. The IDU has uh, really been terrific, this interdisciplinary unit that uh, I've been overseeing with our grade nines, a small group of grade nines who remained in Toronto while a large portion of uh, that cohort is off in our campus in South Korea on Jeju Island. And they've been working uh, on, um, they built a wind turbine and then they designed different types of blade styles or blade configurations. And uh, then we see uh, which, which are the configurations that yield the greatest level of, um, I guess, you know, rotation of the blades, uh, which then directly translates into how much energy. And so that part of the unit has, uh, um, has wrapped up and it, uh, uh, it wrapped up really well. Um, we have a second week before us where there's some interesting uh, work that will happen. I'm not going to share too much about that in this podcast um, because uh, we're going to uh, share some of that in next week's Garage Cast. But I did want to say that, you know, to the students, I know a number of them uh, said they were going to be listening to the uh, Garage Cast. Um, I just wanted to say that you did an amazing job. Uh, it was a nice um, mix of, you know, interdisciplinary work across science uh, and design. And there was uh, a field trip. We went to visit Little Canada. For those of you who, who don't know what Little Canada is, it's a, it's a business in downtown Toronto. I don't even know exactly what to call it. It's not a museum. I call it a giant installation. Um, and what it is is they have uh, created uh, a miniaturized, miniaturized number of cities. So there's Niagara Falls. Niagara on the Lake, there is um, Toronto, different areas of Toronto. It's the biggest layout. And these are extremely detailed uh, miniatures. And it's just a sight to be seen. Check out Little Canada uh, on Google and you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. The kids loved it. Um, and, you know, in, in addition to just seeing this very cool uh, exhibit, so there's Toronto, there's various areas in the Golden Horseshoe, Hamilton, Brantford, uh, there's Ottawa, which is really well done. And then you transition into Quebec, where they've got Mount St. Anne, Quebec City. It's just lovely. Um, and it's expanding. They're doing the prairies. Um, they're doing the, the Rockies. They're doing the Maritimes. Uh, it's just really phenomenal. And one of the things that was really nice was an ability to tie this uh, little field trip in the middle of our week, <clears throat> to tie it to design because we were able to um, see how they fabricate. So they're using, you know, laser cutters, just like we have laser cutters in our own innovation spaces. Uh, they, you know, uh, we got to talk to some of the artists and there's uh, technical people who have to program the systems. And somebody walked us through um, 
you know, how they, they, they create programs that allow all of the automobiles and trains and, and things like that that are in these miniaturized cityscapes. Uh, and so it's nice to be able to see uh, an installation like this. And it is um, drawing on, you know, design skills. It's drawing on um, engineering skills. Uh, so quite, uh, quite a nice little outing. The IDU itself has given me time to, to really think um, because, you know, it's, I talked about this when we did it with the grade eights. It's, it's fantastic in terms of being able to do this deep work. And these students um, have really been able to, again, throw themselves into some very deep, deep work. Um, and it got me thinking about you know, the, how do I want to say this? Where do we go from here is really what I was, I was thinking about. And this is what I want to talk about in this particular segment. In order to think about where we go next, uh, you know, I sort of wanted to unpack for myself, you know, where does the IDU, the interdisciplinary type of learning, um, what precedes that if you're thinking about sort of ways of doing this? And so, you know, it's, it's obvious that it begins with something that's subject specific, um, like in a certain discipline. So disciplinary, a single discipline. And, and, and that, I think, is what we're very used to, depending on your age. Um, if you're someone that's old like me, you know, when I went to school, it was a very uh, disciplinary approach where students were really learning when they would go um, into a specific subject area, you're learning the concepts for um, that specific discipline, the concepts and whatever associated skills. And it's separate from every other discipline. Uh, and then if we sort of look, you know, where do we go in terms of integration across these disciplines, you get into multidisciplinary learning. And this is where students are learning concepts and skills separately still in each discipline, but it is done, you know, with, with reference to a common theme. Then we get to interdisciplinary, which again is this type of unit that um, I've been uh, working with uh, the students over this past week. And this is where there's a greater level of integration, where students are really learning concept and skills from two or more disciplines that are really... They're, they're, they're tightly coupled um, so as to deepen the knowledge and skills. So, you know, we're, we're going through the design cycle, which the kids have been exposed to before, and we're going through science because there's the science behind the generation of electricity through the use of wind power. There's the mathematics piece. There's data that has to be collected. There's regression analysis that gets done. And so you could see that we're tying together uh, a number of disciplines. They're really tightly linked as a part of the project. And what excites me is where you can go next. You know, what's the next level of integration? And it's really transdisciplinary learning. And this is really by taking a real-world problem. So in a sense, the disciplines fade away. They're so integrated that you're not even thinking about them. And you take a real-world problem or some kind of project, 
and the students begin applying knowledge and skills from two or more disciplines. So again, the focus is not on the, the learning of these concepts and skills in two or more disciplines. What you're doing is you are applying that knowledge from two or more disciplines, and that overall application is done in conjunction with shaping. They actually get to help shape the learning experience. And to me, this is super exciting because it gets back to a previous podcast talking about student agency. Uh, it gets back to this concept that I'm such a big believer of, which is connecting the learning to the outside world, right? How do we bring that outside world to the students and make the learning incredibly authentic? It's, it's transdisciplinary um, where they get to take a real problem, right? And so I've tried to interject some of that through the course of this week where, we, again, there, there's clearly an, 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 an interdisciplinary approach, but I'm trying to connect it to... Um, the real world. And that, that is happening um, with the project in, in Branks, Malaysia. Uh, wind power is a predominant uh, um, a generation that's happening on the island of Jeju. Jeju is an island um, just south of the mainland in South Korea. And um, so I've been trying to do that. But I think this again is, it, 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 it takes a, a, a really different level of collaboration amongst teachers and we have to be able to give them time we have to be able to allow them to build capacity you know in their own professional development to be able to partner with teachers across dis disciplines and i would say to be able to partner with the with with people that are outside of the school um, and be able to partner with students to allow those students to help shape the learning. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about that here on the Garage Cast this week because it's innovation. Because we're, we're really disrupting or challenging the status quo when we step into making a commitment to transdisciplinary learning. Just like we do with the, the interdisciplinary. These interdisciplinary units really disrupt that traditional model of education. They take a lot of work, so they, they, they challenge the way we plan our units. And I think they need to challenge schools, you know, organizationally and administration to imagine our schedules, our timetables, our professional development for, for teachers, our ability to give teachers agency over their time so that they can step into, of course, interdisciplinary, but then take it to that, that next level of integration and, and moving to, to transdisciplinary. Segment two, I'm gonna talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. Gonna keep this one really brief. Um, and I'm not gonna talk about, you know, chat GPT and all those things that we've been chatting about over the last little bit. I wanted to focus on where these uh, AI platforms, remember, this is a platform that OpenAI is uh, 
encouraging and hoping that others will build upon. And I came across just a fantastic use case, an implementation of uh, an application that has decided to leverage this in a very unique way. So for my email, I use a, uh, an app on my phone and I use it at my, um, my laptop. It's called Shortwave. And what it does is these were um, some folks from Google. Uh, they were part of the Gmail team. They had created this, this uh, very lightweight, basically email program. So in order to access my Branksome email, it pulls in the email from Gmail when I'm on my phone. And it does some interesting sort of triaging of email for me. I am always inundated with email beyond, beyond what I can, I can cope with on any given day or week. And so I'm always looking for tools that uh, can assist me. And uh, I've used Shortwave for quite a long uh, time. And again, it, again, it helps to triage uh, the way it groups mail and what it presents to me as being important or things that I should, I should pay um, attention to. And I noticed that they added to this app a wonderfully simple but brilliant use of the artificial intelligence capabilities from ChatGPT. There's a little button. So think of a thread. I get emails. Something comes in on a Monday morning um, sent to me and maybe a group of people. And maybe within an hour of that email coming, two people have chimed in on that. And then that afternoon, someone else has chimed in on it. And maybe Tuesday morning, another couple of back and forths on that email have happened, and I'm finally getting to it, let's say Tuesday afternoon. And we've all seen this, right? It's a thread of emails. Well, Shortwave has this little button, and when you tap it, it summarizes the thread for you. It's like magic. Because it's like, imagine ChatGPT. You know how you see all the words popping out one right after the other based on what you've asked it? Well, in this case, it's talking to you. So it's writing a, a very well summarized version of your email where it's telling you the details. So-and-so was talking about this and Jane chimed in and agreed with them. And then, you know, Brenda chimed in and felt that something else should be considered and the next steps will be discussed at the next meeting on March 25th. I'm making all of the names up and all of the facts, but it basically summarizes it so beautifully that you get the gist of the thread instantly. It works really well too. You know, I do best when I receive an email that is brief, but we all receive emails that are lengthy someone who has put a lot of detail in an email that they want you to consider. Um, and again, you can click that summarize button and it very quickly gives you the broad strokes. And, and it's, not, it's not leaving things out. It just summarizes it brilliantly to give you that, that gist of what's in the email. Now that one there, it's not as strong a use case for me, but the multiple threads, especially... I've got a couple of emails where I applied this to where I, I was a part of the thread. Um, and then there was additional correspondence that happened over the course of a week. And by the time, you know, you looked at the number of, of responses and replies, there was 15 
back and forth communications amongst, you know, six or seven people. And now this gave me a beautiful summary of a conversation I was a part of, but I wanted to see, okay, there's been subsequent correspondence that's been happening. And I get that summary without having to scroll and you're trying to figure out, you know, who's talking and who spoke first and all those things that we, we, we encounter. And so this, what, why this excites me is because it's showing you that the generative AI tools like ChatGPT will really transcend these initial things that we're all doing with them. You know, students using them to get ideas around their essays. Some of my kids and my advisor were talking about that. And us in the adult community using it for all kinds of really good purposes. But over time, this type of functionality, these very specific nuanced use cases will continue to emerge in the tools we use. And they're going to make life just so much better for us. I mean, this to me, like I said, it's magic when you see it happen. Um, And that's with shortwave. I have no doubt that Google will build this type of thing directly into Gmail. And Microsoft will do this. Of course, they've got ChatGPT. um, And they will do this with their mail. And this will help to streamline communications. What, What I'm hoping the tool will do for me, since I am... I know it doesn't do this now, but this is my wish. So if anyone is listening from shortwave, what will be brilliant is when I have missed an email entirely, uh, and that does happen because, again, as emails continue to pile in, we've all experienced this. Other emails get pushed down and you, and you lose sight of them. I want my artificial intelligence um, bot to say, hey, you've missed an important email. Here's the summary and click on this link to go to the details. And it really starts behaving like an assistant that's there to help you. So very, very cool. You uh, can look at Shortwave if if you're looking for an email client. Um, Otherwise, you can probably find, I'm sure somebody's demoed this on YouTube. Uh, There's uh, somebody that's probably showing you how it works. If you're in the community, you know, if you're someone on campus here at Branksome and you want to see it, Come and see me in number four uh, or stop me in the hall or somewhere across campus. I'd love to show it to you. It's really, really cool. Well, this is a first here on the Garage Cast. I'm going to introduce a segment three. And it really builds off of what we were just talking about in segment two with regards to where some of these generative AI capabilities are showing up in other platforms. Now I want to shift to something called artificial general intelligence, or AGI. And the first question you probably have is, oh no, like another artificial intelligence? Is this like an evolution of ChatGPT? Is it another service? Is it something built on top of the OpenAI platform, for instance. And I will start off by saying that artificial general intelligence is not something that is available to the public yet. And it's probably a number of years off. How far off is sort of disputed. Um, And let's talk about that once we sort of get a definition of what is 
artificial general intelligence or AGI. And, and to put it in context, how is it different from other AI systems like ChatGPT? So artificial general intelligence is a type of AI. So think of AI as a broad category of which generative AI tools like ChatGPT are one stream. And AGI is really designed to be capable of performing any intellectual task that a human could do. Okay, so unlike other AI systems, which are very specialized to perform specific tasks. So again, ChatGPT is a very specialized type of generative AI. It is a text predictor, and we've talked about uh, that many times, and we can see how that text prediction software, um, artificial intelligence, uh, can be used to write things, you know, a high school essay. It can be used to summarize things, like we talked about the capabilities built into the email application Shortwave, where it uh, basically consumes an email thread and then it writes using predictive text the summary. And that's very specialized and very specific tasks. And artificial general intelligence, the clue is right in the name, general. AGI is intended to be more like the way our brains work. It can tackle a general, non-specific set of things that are thrown at it. It's intended to be capable of learning and uh, adapting and reasoning to a certain degree. So a key difference between AGI and other AI systems is the way it's designed, clearly. While most AI systems really you know, they rely on a set of predefined rules or algorithms, you know, the models that emerge from patterns of data, AGI is really designed to learn and adapt to new situations completely on its own. It would take in new information, learn from it, make decisions based on that information, and really mimic the way our brains work. Now, AGI, again, is a long way off. Uh, some theorize that we'll probably uh, have AGI by 2060. That's 2060. That's a long way off. Some people feel that we may never realize artificial general intelligence. Others are saying that some of the advancements that are happening, we see the exponential growth and in, in change in generative artificial intelligence, and we may see AGI emerge sooner than we think. And when you've got a system like AGI that can learn and make decisions and adapt, in theory, it could design the next version of itself which means that we would start to see a very rapid evolution, exponential evolution of these technologies. So what does this potentially mean for us in education? I mean, it has massive, massive implications for society in general. If, you know, you want to focus on, on how it could revolutionize education, 
the possibilities are really endless. You know, through the automation of tasks that were that are really only possible by a human being today, an artificial general intelligence could save us so much time, reduce costs of delivery of service, and really allow us to scale in a way unimaginable and unseen. We could scale personalization of learning for students. The potential for AGI, you know, again, just it will touch and transform every single industry. But imagine, imagine an artificial general intelligence that could be used as a teaching tool to, you know, create very personalized, bespoke, scaffolded learning paths for students by showing students even just today how AGI would work and allow them to experiment and move at their own pace with a generalized intelligence that adapts to their needs while drawing on all, think of just chat GPT, but with reasoning and thinking ability and the ability for it to tailor itself. If I think about, you know, AI, if I think back to when I was in in university, we're talking about the late 80s, early 90s, you know, AI was studied, you know, people like Professor Jeffrey Hinton, who today, you know, are really the, 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 the leader, the godfather of artificial intelligence. And we really went through what's known as an AI winter. This expression is, you know, used when there really isn't a lot of advancement or progress. And I remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I was studying computer science, you know, artificial intelligence just, it wasn't possible. It wasn't making progress. It seemed stagnant. It seemed like complete science fiction. And we can see that with the increases in computing power, increases in large data sets, we've had a massive jump, unexpected jump, I would say, in the areas of artificial intelligence on the generative side. And I think we, we need to prepare for artificial general intelligence. So just like we are having to adapt very quickly right now to ChatGPT, as an example, as educators, Can you imagine what it will be like in a future where we've got truly intelligent bots that we are working with, that our students are working with? ChatGPT is an immediate thing for us to adapt to and understand. Artificial general intelligence is a way off And so I'm not saying you need to figure out for next year how you adapt and how do you integrate in curriculum and and how do we figure out um, its usefulness and its limitations. Artificial general intelligence is much further out. But the level of change that we will need to make to schools, to education, to our practices as educators, the way we think about how our students will 
function as citizens in the future world, that level of change is going to be even harder to adapt to than what we're seeing now with generative AI. And so we need to be thinking about that. You know, if we want to be making intentional evolution of our educational approaches and our educational institutions, we have to have an eye to where this is going. And so that's why I wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, artificial general intelligence today. It's kind of the holy grail of AI. And again, we may never realize this type of technological advancement. That's what some people feel. I feel that we will. I feel that as we continue to see computing power, you know, increased levels of computational power and resources available at, at increasingly, you know, decreasing costs. So even though the infrastructure and technology behind something like ChatGPT is very expensive, it's still many, many, many orders of magnitude cheaper today than it would have ever been even five years ago. And capability-wise, this didn't, was unimaginable, say, 10 years ago. Unimaginable. And so I think as we continue to see the computing power continue to evolve, as things like quantum computing, which is still many years off, but making advancements every day, as these things combine to give us greater capabilities on the computing side, the work that's been happening steadily, just like we've seen with ChatGPT, will suddenly emerge very, very quickly. It, it, it will, ChatGPT went from no users or very few users in November 2022 to 100 million users by the end of January 2023. We're talking about like two, two and a half months. And this became pervasive in a way that I have never seen with end users, an uptake on technology like this. And the same thing will happen, I believe, when artificial general intelligence emerges. We're going to see over the next couple of years, the generative stuff um, become even more sophisticated and useful and disruptive. Artificial general intelligence, the day that emerges, the year that that emerges, will take the world by storm and make the disruption and the questions we've had today around things like ChatGPT will seem like child's play compared to the level of transformation that we will see when artificial general intelligence emerges. And as educators, it's our responsibility to prepare these kids for that world. I always think about when I am in the junior school here at Branksome 
and I see those kids in JK and SK in grade one, I think, you know, in the next 10 to 12 years, the world is going to look so different than what it is today. Like, it, it will be in some, some ways unrecognizable. If you think about just in the span of three months, three to four months, how we are doing things differently now just because of ChatGPT. <laughs> just think about that. Think about the way you might be working differently. Think about how you've heard of people around you working differently. Now imagine that on a scale that's like a hundredfold in terms of impact. And these kids, as they progress from grade one to two and all the way through, we have to be thinking about how do we transform that experience for the students so that when that day comes, they have the mindset to be able to adapt and leverage these tools. They have the skill set, both not just talking about technical skills or content skills, but again, mindset skills and and, and ability to, to embrace what's coming and not be completely disrupted by it. Those are my thoughts. And I hope that it gives you pause and maybe sparks, you might be, saying, you know, I've never really heard about artificial general intelligence before. And it, it encourages you to, to start to take a look. And again, we as educators for this type of thing, it's baby steps because it is a long way off. But if we put off understanding that and taking those baby steps, the change will be just, it'll be a seismic disruption to, to those of us that are educators and will encounter this in the work that we do, never mind even just as a human being, what this will mean for us in the future. And so that's why I wanted to bring it to you. Even though it is a ways off, I kind of wanted to level set. Um, you know, where does a tool like ChatGPT and other generative tools sit in relation to the overarching AI landscape? And what is there to look forward to in the years to come that will become available to us? And I think that's where I'm going to bring it to a close for this week. Thanks for joining me here on the GarageCast. Always, always a pleasure. I hope that you have a terrific weekend. A massive, massive shout out and good luck to our BH Highlanders robotics team, who this weekend is attending the Provincials. Uh, they've done just extraordinary in their competitions this year, and we've made it to Provincials. So to that entire team uh, and the coaches that are going to be in Niagara Falls, um, have a wonderful tournament and good luck. I know that it will be fun and I can't wait to hear how it all turns out. For everybody else, I hear that there is a massive snowstorm that is coming to Southern Ontario. 
So, so I hope that you stay safe. And I hope for all of our listeners, we have listeners from all over the world. I'm so, I'm just so pumped every time I take a look at the, the stats on the show and see that we've got uh, people f- literally from all over the world. It's just wonderful. And so wherever you may find yourself, until we connect again next week for episode 19, I hope that you are well and I look forward to our time together again. This is Michael Iani Polarchio of the Garage Cast saying ciao.